But what is important is to realize that sports by itself and participating in sports and parents listen to this are not healthy. Health does not equal sport. Sport does not equal health. And I work with professional athletes and some of them are extremely unhealthy and, and also able to perform because their, their body can, is able to recover. So what that means is we have to recognize that sport equals sacrificing your body for a goal. And so when we're talking about youth athletes, that goal is well-rounded development and giving them a safe place to take risk and push themselves and learn about their body. It's just important to recognize that. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Eagle. Pumped to be here for another week of an incredible guest being on the show. This one is a little bit different of a topic than we are used to. This week, you guys are going to meet Jennifer Schwartz. She is the owner of Impact Your Fitness, which is providing fitness-based muscle therapy with muscle activation technique, and Studio in Virginia helps improve athletes' quality of life, flexibility, and strength with activation-based fitness and physical therapy. So what does all that mean? Essentially, she dives into a lot of injury prevention and also injury management. So... This is, like I said, a topic we don't spend a whole lot of time on. We've actually had a guest on the show. Her name's Delaney Spaulding. She was a shortstop for Team USA in the 2020 Olympics, and she had dealt with an ACL tear um, a year before, actually the year that the Olympics were supposed to happen in 2020, and then she was able to come back fully recovered and go compete in the Olympics in 2021. So we've talked about a little bit of injury on the podcast with her. But this one is going to be based on muscles and tendons, what they're supposed to do for your body, and what they do as you're performing. A little bit more about Jennifer is she has her bachelor's from Marymount University in health sciences and physical therapy. She also is a resistance training specialist, and her master's was in biomechanics, and she also has a master's in science, health, and fitness management. She knows exactly what she's talking about when it comes to biomechanics and how the body does its thing. She also is the host of Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to optimizing exercise and overall human function. And as athletes, our performance matters and how we perform has a lot to do with our body and what it is doing. 
On this episode, we talk injury prevention and injury management, like I mentioned before, resilience and growth mindset. Even when you're injured, having to go through this really tough time, and some of you may be injured, you might have a player who's injured, definitely a podcast you want to share with them to go through what can they do in their rehab time to make sure they make the most of it and they can come back stronger. Also, knowing your body. So we mentioned muscles versus tendons. They both have purposes in our human body. And it's kind of neat. And I always find it interesting. The more you know, the more that you're able to take care of these things. So if you're an athlete, a coach, or a parent, this might be just one of those insightful conversations where you get to know what your body is actually doing, how hard you can push it, when do you need to rest, We go through all of those things, and then we dive into how to recover properly. So she talks about active recovery. So you can be at your best when your best is needed. Recovery is needed, and there's also activation techniques that you can do. So you don't have to take a full day off of just sitting on the couch, but something that you can do to have some active recovery and also give your body some rest, but also a little blood flow and what it needs. So this is a fun episode, definitely something we've never done before, but Jennifer is very smart in the game and she knows so much about sports physiology. So I'm just so excited to have her here. Let's welcome her to the show. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I have Jennifer Schwartz in the house. So excited to have you here. Hello, hello. Hello. She is also a podcaster, so... Very excited to have two podcasters in the room. I mean, it's like a party. Yeah, it is a party. And (laughs) I think podcasting has a lot to do with just being curious. And I know you're a very curious person as well. Um, So earlier before um, people can hear your voice, I gave them the rundown on everything that you do. Um, I'm so grateful that our podcast editor, Seth, got us together (laughs) because there's so much um, commonalities between our work. And I think they're just going to learn so much from you. Can you start us off with just a little bit of your journey, like your sports journey and your fitness journey, so the audience can get to know you a little more? Yes. Hi, hi. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. And I I like to honor people's, especially women's, their journey in sport and exercise. We're just living in such a grand era. You know, like we, we just celebrated 50 years of what do you call it? Um, Title IX. Nine. Yep. Yeah. Like last week. And mm-hmm. uh, I was actually at the soccer game where the agreement was signed for equal pay. Wow. And Billie, Billie Jean King was there. And I was like, wow. You know, like she's part of my journey for sure. Like her book was like the first one I picked up when I was an adolescent. And she, you know, it was a really basic kind of like, this is how you take care of your body. And it wasn't tennis specific. I, I don't play tennis, but it just spoke so much to me. So I, I just want to give a shout out to like last week kind of being huge and honoring mm-hmm. all the female athletes that of our generation and this, you know, all the current and future ones. So I grew up playing soccer and softball and I thrived in both team sports and where I grew up, uh, Aberdeen, Maryland has, and Haverty Grace, Maryland have a strong baseball culture. Like Cal Ripken is from there. The Ripken Mm. stadium is there now and he has a strong presence. 
Um, the Ripkins were part of like, like I played softball with a Ripken niece and, you know, we had like, it was just, it was just a part of the culture where I grew up, but soccer ended up being my college sport. And I did try to walk on and play softball, <laughs> but I, uh, played soccer, you know, passionately until probably 24 years old. Um, I had a serious death in my family about 20 and multiple injuries starting when I was 15. Um, I still managed to play college and a little bit of uh, semi-professional soccer afterwards. And then at 23, 24 is when I started coaching soccer and also realizing the huge impact that American women have across the world in female athletics. I really see female athletes as a like a warrior for change and how we can like I really see our influence all over the world and I I wasn't mm -hmm. I didn't really understand that until I traveled and played soccer elsewhere in the world and really saw like this you know uh interconnectedness and how our how we impact you know females everywhere and so I think about that often. I really do, especially when I go to, I went to that game I just mentioned where the equal pay agreement was signed, um, was a U.S. women's national team game. And, you know, it was really like, I feel it, you know, and it's just like such a beautiful interconnectedness that I feel with female athletes. But, you know, my fitness journey started when I first got injured. Secondarily, I also realized that I was kind of boy crazy and there were a lot of men at the gym. <laughs> so if you combine those two things, <laughs> that's how I fell in love with exercise. And I fell in love with routine. And it was a really, even though I was like a soccer player and a softball player and I was in color guard and I was in band, I kind of, you know, I got, I honestly had a flow of routine, but not until I found like reps and sets did I really start to like get it and really fall in love with focused work? Yeah. Every, and then that sent me on a path of meditation, yoga. I was doing acupuncture when I was like 18. I was like, do it all. Like I wanted to try everything and I'm still in that zone. Like I think wellness and fitness should be fun. I don't think it should be a punishment. I don't think it should be, I don't think it should weigh us down. And that's kind of my mission now is to like teach people this like uplifting state of mind about self-care, exercise, athletics. When I was coaching soccer, I had a strong uh, focus on female athletes and strength training and injury prevention, but I was also coaching in the game. Like I had teams and I was, you know, the head coach, Jen, I was the head coach mm -hmm. and doing all the things and doing all my uh, studies of, you know, where I am now, which is a muscle activation techniques RX practitioner and a studio owner, a clinic owner. I also developed a strength and conditioning program for soccer players that was, I thought was going to be just for females, but it turns out there's 
<laughs> there's a whole another group of people. Um, <laughs> and I fell in love with coaching them too. Met uh, young male soccer players. Like they have a special piece of my heart now, which I never thought was going to happen. So I've had a ton of experience. I've probably trained thousands of adolescent, teenage, and, you know, upwards of in their in early 20s, um, semi-professional type of soccer players in strength and conditioning. My clinic is mostly uh, muscle activation techniques and neuromuscular exercise, more rehab focused, more injury prevention focused, and recovery focused. So I have lots of things I can talk about. <laughs> well, that's, that's why journey. you're here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited because most of these topics that you do do a lot of, we haven't really spent a whole lot of time on the podcast talking about, but I would really like you to just, what is injury prevention? Cause I don't, I don't know if everybody, I mean, we know what it sounds like, but like, I think rehab and injury prevention, they obviously are simultaneous, but they're two separate things. Mm. And I feel like if we can spend some time on the injury prevention side, we'll find that our athletes don't get injured as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, can you talk about the difference between rehab and injury prevention a little bit so the audience can get to know those two things? Well, I think it's important to say the headline here is like preventing injury 100% is not possible. Preventing pain is not possible. These things make us human. And I say like the in- injuries make us human because like they can heal they can regenerate. And that goes from everything from a bone to our brain to, you know, muscle, tendon. Pain is also a very important part of being human. Um, I think it's it's important to also understand what resilience and frag- fragility is in terms of injury prevention, because we can feel fragile for many different reasons. And when we feel fragile, we're going to feel kind of more tightness and more pain and more uh, exhaustion and physically like, you know, heavy. Um, mm-hmm. So fragility, you know, is a an outcome of something that is mental, emotional, physical, maybe even chemical. And everything that we experience, really, our reality, like goes into like those four things. It's like our perception, our chemical, meaning like our nutrition and, you know, maybe anything toxic we've been exposed to, like all those things can like change our body and change our perception and change our reality. So can mental thoughts, emotional, anything emotional, like changes our body, uh, Mm -hmm. changes our perception and, uh, and physicality as well. So I think when we think about injury prevention, it's important to understand that there are two different states and we can contribute to one or the other. So contributing to something called resilience means, you know, having that growth mindset, having the growth mindset as to, you know, your wins and your losses, your daily wins, your daily losses. Uh, It also has something to do with the weight room and how you treat your body. If you treat yourself like a fragile spring flower, you know, you're going to get trampled on pretty easily, right? Like, but if you treat yourself with a, with that growth mindset, with respect to, you know, pain, uh, injury is a possibility and you want to do everything possible, everything within your condition and within your grasp to prevent that, 
you're going to contribute to a stronger body, a more resilient body, a more resilient mind. Injury recovery and rehab rely heavily on a growth mindset and being resilient. I wouldn't have a job if all we had to do was eight weeks of rehab to an injury. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. a job. So really injury prevention is is like this uh, practice of going towards resilience. And so we can, you know, we can talk about that in the context of everything from hydration to sleep to strength and power and doing it without like gadgets. You know, we have to like it, it all comes from like these focused efforts that are with with tools already within us. Mm hmm. If that makes any sense. Um, oh, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. So when it when it comes down to that resilience that you're talking about, I'm glad you're diving into this. This is kind of unique and fun. Athletes that get tend to like find themselves injured often, which I'm sure you find people that like, yeah, you're in here a lot more than others. Is there something that is is it because that they believe that they're weak that they're getting injured? Is it because, like, where do you find, like, the biggest reasoning behind injuries okay. are coming from? This is a hot take. I'm so excited to share this. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but sometimes it comes from the parents. Mm. Um, our belief in pain and injury and in our body comes from what our, like, what our parents are handing down to us. Sure. If a, a parent has chronic pain the likelihood of their child having persistent pain is like upwards of 60%. Wow. Yeah. So is, and it's, it's probably goes the other way for like the parent that like, you know, shows discipline and exercise habits and nutrition habits. Yeah. And so it's, it's just like, I, I, and I did not understand that until I was thick, deep into my and into the program at the soccer club where I was working with whole families on injury prevention, strength training, injury rehab, and the whole continuum of it. I would have parents come to mo- uh, as many sessions, especially at the beginning. Like if I had them for three sessions, like twice in one week, and then the next week in like an athletic training kind of environment. I would, I would have the parents come to at least two of those. And, you know, we would have also conversations offline. And I just wasn't ready for, like, how, how much reflection I saw in their attitude towards their child's attitude. Mm. So that's one. Sleep is another. Stress, stress and sleep <laughs> um, have a huge impact on your body. Anything below, like, seven hours of sleep can increase your injury likelihood, I want to say like 40%. Um, Jeez. It's really important. So that seven, I mean, and teenagers, it's like, you know, eight, nine hours of sleep. Seven hours uninterrupted sleep is, I got it. It has to be like a priority for. It, um, is that, when you said teenagers, is that because they're growing more in that stage? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they need to, they need to be sleeping more? Yeah. Like I have okay. a puppy who's eight months old and they're supposed to be sleeping like 18 hours a day. 
Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. yeah, teenagers, especially because it's their brain that's developing at this time. Most humans are kind of, tend- let's say this, tendons are fully formed by the age of 17. The brain is not fully grown. I think, like, what is it, like 25 to 27 yeah, years of age? I think I remember yeah. hearing 25. Yep. Yeah. And, like, we all kind of remember that because it's like the car insurance quote, like you can't, (laughs) you know, like it changes drastically, like after the age of 25. And so does Mm -hmm. like your ability to rent a car, the brain that's growing. And especially at the teenage years, it's doing something rapidly called pruning. And what that means is it kind of explains like the drastic mood swings. It explains like the risk taking and the boundary pushing And sleep, you know, facilitates so much of that growth and pruning. And in adults, I guess this is probably for everyone, um, in our our brains have their own, has its own lymphatic system. So that means all the trash is getting taken out at night. So by you and I just sitting here in front of these lights, uh, we are creating a small amount of brain damage. And that is in a state of brainwave called high beta and it's a very normal scenario it happens every day but if we don't recover from that at night and our brain waves don't like go into like a theta state then it's not really getting cleaned out and it's like constantly in this state of like the trash is overflowing mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is not good it's not it's not good for development um for muscle recovery for muscle strength it's not good for emotions it's not good for digestion like it's not good you're I know you're blowing many people's minds including mine with some of these things but can we go back to like the parents and how influential they are and yeah Yeah. I I think that's an incredible study because I I think I even just saw something it may have been on TikTok I'm not gonna lie Uh. but it had something to do with the fact that you know, if your kid, like, let's say falls and bumps their knee and you go over to them and you're like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? Yep. They immediately start crying because there's something wrong instead of if, if they bump their knee. And of course, like there's, there's a big difference between like, they have a huge gash in their knee and then like, mm. just like got a little bruise, but like that resilience factor of just being like, you're right. And like, and they're just like, I think so. Like they can Mm -hmm. kind of navigate that, but they do what their parents, you know, are showing them and parents and coaches alike, like Mm -hmm. how we treat our kids when they go through some sort of, you know, tough moment uh, is really important. And I think it goes along with what you were mentioning earlier too. Yeah, it does go a long way. It's like the, you know, it's gotta be like, you know, helicoptering an injury is like not great. Like, how's it feeling? It's like um, the car ride home. Right. From the game. You know, what did you do wrong? Like, we know that statement, like, totally messes with the player. Yeah. Go over what you did wrong. And that it's the same kind of thing for injuries. It's like, okay, so how did your ankle feel? Oh, I didn't feel it until now. And and so like and, and so on the counter end of that. So the neuromuscular technique that I do is called muscle activation techniques. And any players that have access to someone that does muscle activation techniques, please take advantage of it. It is incredibly powerful work for our body work for um, athletes, people that move, people that exercise in general. So there's not many of us. So if there's someone nearby, 
<laughs> go say hi to them and talk to them about your tightness and they'll 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 be able to help you and you won't have to like suffer basically so with that said i would have a player uh come to my table um the athletic training table and they would be you know kind of limping and without swelling without a contusion without any bruising they would just have this pain in like the top of their foot and so that is an experience, right? And they're feeling it and their body is creating a protective mechanism and they're limping. So I do my work. Let's say it takes 15 minutes for me to activate underactive muscles and reestablish a neuromuscular connection. And they get off the table and I can, they, have, they can run with no pain. Mm-hmm. So as easily as I can influence that, you can also influence it the other way and create more compensation and more limp from like babying it, okay. you know, and like, and sometimes that gets that player some attention and they're like, Oh, this is a resource. <laughs> like I am now getting attention. So there's like that way of, you know, creating a horrible cycle <laughs> of um, trying to get attention through an injury male. Like we all know male soccer players are, famous for manipulating <laughs> the, the referees, you know? They're like, oh. I'm not going to lie. I watched the Bundesliga and yes, yes. I, I can see yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, how it, do you know when they're really injured is the hard part. <laughs> and men, men turn it on. They it's a, it's. And so you can also talk about this in hockey. There's one guy that's like, they, they purposefully piss everyone off. You know? Um, I don't know if it's like, happening these days but certainly like another generation of uh, ice hockey there was a player that was like bruising everybody up and you know looking for trouble and that would create chaos Mm -hmm. so i think there's like a similar way to manipulate you know in all sports basically yeah there's like an emotional aspect to it that like nobody talks about and like you know when i was a player a softball player i was um lead off lead off batter right if i if i can if i can skew something just enough to get on base and get that reward yeah i'm competitive mm-hmm. i'm gonna try it you know i'm gonna push that boundary so yeah i think it, i think we could have that conversation in the injury context too and also you know congratulate some players for being really creative but also you know use it as a teaching moment but like back to like what the parents, their belief in pain does impact their child's belief in pain. There's a, um, a whole new arm of science called pain neuroscience. And pain neuroscience is, has to be one of the most underrated medical interventions out there. Because you can basically do pain education for people and decrease their pain without touching them, without giving them a pill. And this Mm. has been proven in so many different scenarios. There has been a a study and a follow-up study on middle schoolers receiving pain science lectures. So not even like real education. They're just getting lectures, right? They're not like having to do homework or like experiment or like really take in what, what they're getting taught. So just lectures. 
30 minutes of lectures. And this is like fifth grade to eighth graders. And this was 133 middle schoolers, fifth to eighth grade, attended a 30-minute pain neuroscience lecture. The primary outcome measures of pain, uh, knowledge, which was judged by a questionnaire, and their beliefs regarding pain, like a rating scale, were measured before and immediately after the lecture. Significant improvement in knowledge was found with um, their test scores improving and like they had significant shifts in the beliefs. So they also did a follow-up on this, which I don't have in front of me, but just 30 minutes of pain neuroscience lecture to these children just it gave them much more belief in their body and a significant increase in their knowledge of pain that meaning like it goes away. Mm-hmm. And the more that we think about pain, the more it becomes like an actual thing, even yeah. if there's no tissue damage. And that's because pain is made in the brain. And that's a very important thing that like we should understand as people that have brains and bodies pain is made in the brain pain is not made at the tissue site so if i hit myself on my wrist right now there's no pain being made here it's being made here and sent here Mm. so that means there is a whole entire body of science dedicated to showing us how pain gets increased and how it lives on in our body through our thoughts and our emotions. So this is not like woo-woo anymore. Because if I would have said this 20 years ago, I, somebody been like, where's your crystals? Where's your cat and your witch hat? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's not. like I, This is like legit laboratory work, follow-up work. I could go on and on. I'm very passionate about pain science <laughs> because I, I just, the enormous cost of opioid use and like our self-esteem and our mental health are, you know, just too much. It's just too much. And this, and just education can really change that. So it's like a whole yeah. nother reason to like podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, you said you had your injury, your knee injury. Mm-hmm. And obviously you probably didn't know any of this stuff then. Mm-mm. When you <laughs> went through your knee injury, how was that for you? Like physically, mentally, all the things? Yeah. I mean, I ripped up my knee um, pretty bad skiing and then I went and played soccer. So I, I had the opposite problem. I was like, ah, eh, screw it. I don't yeah. know. This thing's swollen. I don't know what that means. So my childhood <laughs> it was unique in that I was kind of let loose. Like I didn't have a whole lot of like coddling or anything. None. I mean the opposite. I didn't have any rules. I was I was, you know, where the wild things are was my childhood. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the jungle book, you know, things like that. Um yeah, I was I was just a, a product of like not having enough guidance and validation and comfort. So risk taking for me was extremely normal (laughs) and it was very normal for people around me when I was a kid to like break their arm. Like, you know, I was pushing the boundaries with my body from a very young age. 
Like I was that kid, like flying off like the tree and like, you know, climbing up and jumping down and like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So my injury was a learning process in boundaries and, and, you know, it had some serious consequences like AC. It was so ACL injury is requires a basically a two to three hour surgery and it accelerates the onset of arthritis. And so what that means is by the age of 25, if 10 years after the surgery, you're gonna have significant signs of arthritis. So an accelerated rate of arthritis. So basically we all kind of get arthritis. It's just like the wrinkles on the inside of our joint. It's not like a a freak, you know, like crazy thing that just happens. Like it is, it is very normal to have it and it's very normal to have it and not have pain. But, uh, meaning the wear and tear arthritis itself is a inflammation process. And so when you feel that, that means like your joints have kind of accelerated the aging process basically. So anyways, it was a major turning point in my life because it was the first real like lesson that I had, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of teaching moments. It, it, for me, like it was always like, just take risk and just do whatever you want and screw it. And so there was just many variations of that lesson <laughs> over and over and over again. The knee injury taught me a lot of discipline. It also opened up a whole entire curiosity about the body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, you know, because I yeah, yeah, I, and I, yeah, I don't regret that at all. And I don't regret going down those moguls in ice. Like I don't at all. And it taught me a lot about bone health in my early 20s because I, I understood that arthritis was like part of this process that I was experiencing and feeling. And I started learning about bones and then I started learning about nutrition and I started learning about sleep and even birth control. And that had a, that had a part in all of this and, and just medicine in general. And it's just never stopped since then. So now I'm 40 and uh, both my ACLs are torn. So I retore that left, that right knee ACL. Wow. And then I tore the left one. And the left one I tore playing soccer because I wasn't done playing soccer yet. And then, <laughs> and then I just never got it repaired. I was like, oh, I'm done with that because I got the right one. It tore once when I was 15, had another surgery at 19 because it wasn't like done right. And then that repaired, reconstructed ligament retore. And I never got that repaired. Wow. And so like, so I know some people are probably like, well, how are you walking? <laughs> like I have, I have no pain. Wow. Um, I can run. I'm very agile. That's definitely a good question. And we can kind of go into that if you want to talk about anatomy. But the main thing is, is that I'm not playing soccer. I'm not going to play soccer. I'm not interested in skiing. I enjoy my life. I love to lift weights. I love to lift them heavy. I love to go deep in my squats. I love to uh, play golf and be a dog mom. (laughs) So, um, and I'm on my feet all day, but it didn't, you know, I didn't really have any issues. There was a lot of micromanaging when I was coaching soccer because I was doing those dynamic cuts and movements but mm-hmm. never had like a re like, you know, a total backwards like moment there because I was, because mi- I was micromanaging. 
So I'm not sure. gonna lie. Like it's it's not but now I have no problems. I don't even think about. Yeah. So for those who maybe don't know the structural anatomy of how you're able to do all these things without getting a surgery, mm-hmm. um, obviously you had a shift maybe how you lived a little bit, like you couldn't play soccer anymore, but you're at an age where you didn't have to, you could find other things and hobbies. But I think most people are probably wondering like how, like how okay. are you able to lift weights? So um, the best analogy I've heard is that, so the ligaments are like guardrails. So you don't use the guardrails unless your car goes off, mm. right? The street, yeah. the, off the lane. So um, the muscles control that. The muscles are the steering wheel and the steering, mm. the whole system. So the muscles have to be able to react and decelerate. So if my knee has a moment of going medial where that ACL would be the guardrail, my muscles are super responsive and super strong. So my hamstring tendons are probably thicker than most people in general because I, I, I spent so much time building up that tendon tissue because I don't have guardrails. Mm Mm-hmm. So imagine like I'm putting on, I'm putting a little bit of an extra bumper on the car. (laughs) Yeah, that makes, I love your analogies, by the way. No, that makes total sense. If you haven't noticed, fall is here, which means winter is even closer. And we just added a few warm things to our empowerment gear, which is the gear that we have for the podcast and Ashley Burkhardt training. Not joking, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to head there and purchase for myself a crew neck, um, which we've never had before. And this was Haley Cole, shout out to Haley Cole. She used to work for us. Um, She was like, Ashley, you need a crew neck. So we actually have a when the cleats come off logo times the ABT swing logo on the front of the crew neck, which is perfect for this cozy season we are headed into. So I'm gonna get myself an extra large and cozy up this winter. If you are interested in adding some softball or when the cleats come off gear to your wardrobe, go ahead and head to www.ashleybtraining.com. Click on the tab empowerment gear. And when you check out, make sure to put in the, the very end when you check out, type in podcast 10, that's one zero, P-O-D-C-A-S-T one zero at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. And if you want to go back in later and get more, you can still use that code. I just want to thank you so much for being incredible listeners of the show. And I'm excited to give you this gear so you can, you know, rock something that you enjoy. All right, let's head back to this episode with Jennifer. When it comes down to, I'm, de- I'm deciding whether I want to go to recovery or injury prevention and like hammer it real quick. But, but, well, yeah, they're the, that. let's just, we can call them the same. Yeah. I think recovery is more important. Because you right. don't have you don't have injury prevention without good recovery, right? Like with good recovery, you're less likely to get injured. So let's mm-hmm. kind of dive into that aspect. And obviously, because of your injury, you've dove into so many other ways to that. If you could go back, you'd probably spend more time on mm-hmm. um, if you were younger. So I know you mentioned yoga, meditation, sleep, hydration. Mm-hmm. These are all important aspects, but what are they specifically? Like, especially because I know people think of yoga and they're like, oh, well, that's like frou-frou. But like, in reality, it's just stretching, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, along with, you know, taking time to 
add a little bit of that meditation and just self-awareness, but I know you're huge on that one. Mm -hmm. So maybe let's just start, start with yoga and the importance of it. I think yoga is an interesting way to get recovery in. I'll put it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody, but paying attention to your body is for every athlete. And so yoga Mm -hmm. is like this really interesting way to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it is. There's a. It's a proven system to pay attention to your body and listen to your movement and work on your breath, and also it 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 has this built-in reflection piece and gratitude piece. Like, I mean, for a moment, like, how lucky are we, you and I, to express ourselves physically, have a bank account, have property. <laughs> And, and be fully ourselves on the internet with like Instagram is like a PR factory. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how lucky are we to have all those things? And so when we talk about the female athlete, how lucky are you to have peers that understand you, that have a similar goal as you, that have your back? Ugh. I, I mean, I mean, you are all so lucky to have a, a community like that and teammates and friends and people who are going to forgive you when you screw up, you know, like amazing. Like you're not going to get your hand chopped off. Right. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and yoga has this like built in way of like teaching us this and humility mm-hmm. and gratitude and reflection. And so when it comes to the body, like honoring your body is a beautiful thing. And I just like, if that's the way you're going to do it, like that's, that's it for me in yoga, balancing on one leg, great practice, tree poses, all that thing. Great. Great. So is being able to, to do a Shavasana, which is like move from a plank to, you know, jump forward on your feet. It's a very athletic move, right? So being practicing that and that kind of stuff, pushing your wrist motion to its limit in a different way is a very good thing you know um so Mm -hmm. all these things are like good but i think it all comes down to like getting to know your body and and honoring it and reflecting on where you are as a player and your and like your goals and like your losses and your your and your rebounds it's like the ultimate self-care and i find too that yoga tends to help me mix the mind and the body together in regards to pushing yourselves further than you would even feel it. Like if you're holding a warrior pose for like two minutes, Mm -hmm. which at the beginning I could definitely not do, but I feel like I can push myself further now because I'm like, I think I can stay here longer. Like you find this sense of like resilience Mm -hmm. while in those poses Mm -hmm. too, that like you realize you're tougher than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And I find that's another aspect of yoga and kind of like a different type of yoga. Like there's, there's, you know, more of the recovery type of yoga. Mm-hmm. There's like, you're going to build up a sweat type of yoga, holding poses. Like there's so much different elements of it, but yeah, exactly. Ironically, yeah. one of my, one of my good friends who lives out in California, she, I had her on the podcast kind of a long time ago, but her name's Kelia Snare. She like specializes in yoga for catchers, oh. which I think is like so unique because you know, like catchers are in a squat all day long. Yeah. Like they, their bodies are pushed a lot harder than most people on the field. 
for those of you who are like, where's that episode? I'll tag it in the show notes. But I think there's so much unlocking Hmm. of yourself that you can find. Yeah, exactly. And so that brings up an interesting point. Okay. So recovery, because we're talking about like catchers. So if they play the whole game, in the pros, you definitely don't see catchers moving in and out of the ro- like the lineup, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have kids playing three games a day yeah. behind the plate. Yeah, yeah. So I have I have a, a client that's a catcher. So that bring that brings to mind this important like understanding of recovery and taking responsibility for you know how to take responsibility for recovery and how much you basically stress the body. One you know, we're not fragile things. Like humans are very tough. Like we, you know, obviously we've lasted a long time and, you know, we've been, we all go through a lot and we bounce back and we wake up the next day and it's a new day. And so, but what is important is to realize that sports by itself and participating in sports and parents listen to this are not healthy. (laughs) Health does not equal sport. Sport does not equal health. Hmm. And so some of, some of, so I, and I work with professional athletes and some of them are extremely unhealthy and, and also able to perform because their, their body can, has just, is, is able to recover. They have like some genetic disposition to being able to, you know, uh, when we talk about football players essentially the the same amount of force of getting hit by a truck happens to them every Sunday Mm -hmm. and they wake up the next day. Some of us would not be able to get out of bed. Right. (laughs) Totally. And and so there is a genetic component there, but sports and health are not synonymous. So what that means is we have to recognize that sport equals sacrificing your body for a goal. And so when we're talking about youth athletes, that goal is well-rounded development and giving them a safe place to take risk and push themselves and learn about their body. It's just important to recognize that. So we are sacrificing our body for a goal. And whether that is to play in college or, you know, just have strong legs when we're older or just have a strong mind and a leadership quality when we're older, those are all good yeah. goals. And our body is... is is part of the, the risk assessment. And so recovery, I think, is important to think about the total minutes that you play in a week. So training typically, especially in soccer, is, is going to be harder than some of the games. They're meant to, I think that's yeah. the point yeah, exactly. of the training yeah. is to make the games easier. Yeah. yeah. So, I've heard that. you know, and especially if we're talking about something like MMA, sometimes it only lasts like two rounds, right? So, mm-hmm. but when, you know, when we're talking about softball, we're talking about a lot of repetition. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's like really important to recognize. I mean, all of you have recognized that there's a lot of repetition, right? Um, <laughs> and so when we kind of calculate how many hours of training and then how many like minutes that you played in the game, and I mean, you can like kind of tweak this for softball and make it like, you know, an inning equals, I think minutes still works because, you know, innings don't have like a time. Let's take minutes and, you know, and every hour that you spend like doing the sport, maybe spend five minutes on recovery. That's outside of sleep and hydration. So meaning 
that could be meditation. It could be breathing, deep breathing, a, a diaphragmatic breathing, performance breathing. I, call, I would call it performance breathing can increase your recovery. Like you can recover faster if you have a breathing practice, like something that simple. Like you literally don't have to do anything except breathe mm-hmm. and count. <laughs> can people find those breathing practices like on YouTube and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I'll send you an app that you can download for free and it it'll give you like a whole routine basically. Really simple and beautiful. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes yeah. for people who are looking for those resources. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So some so let's say five minutes per hour of some kind of active recovery. So active recovery would be the breathing practice, a yoga practice. Uh, I, my specific practice is an isometric training routine. And the routines I give people are in five and 10 minute chunks. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is specifically for like flexibility, mobility, and like recovery, muscle recovery. So could that be also called the active recovery? Yeah. That's active some people recovery. refer to. Yeah. It's like you're moving, but you're also like. It's intentional. Yeah. 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 So okay, cool. a lot of people will do light bike rides just to get more blood flow. Mm. And so, for example, like what's really like hot right now are these like percussion guns. Yeah. Like Theragun. Yeah. Stuff. But guess yeah. what? Walking for 20 minutes will give you the same result as a $600, $800 percussion gun. Take a wow. walk. You know, and like so a light bike ride, you, you'll always see like professional athletes with a bike like some kind of bike mm-hmm. in the recovery mm-hmm. room. Yeah, like tennis. tennis. We just watched the yep. US Open. They're playing these matches and then they're getting on a bike Yeah, and just letting flow. their muscles flush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Muscles yeah. flush, yep. Taking out the trash. Lymphatic system, taking it out. Yep. Another one is water. Anything in water will help the muscles because there's like, um, like a pressure thing happening there. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, just sitting in a pool and walking back and forth <laughs> that will help you any i mean even like some a- abdominal based exercises could really be helpful for recovery like really basic stuff like 5 minutes <laughs> little core strength little core strength yeah that that i mean that'll hit like two birds with one stone kind of thing so well isometric yeah. that's why i really like isometrics what else i have a whole list here um, i was going to say yeah. these are all so good <laughs> and if if there's like parents or coaches like even here, like come up with a routine for your players, like after a game, yeah. like, Hey, cause I mean, you can do the math and do the math for them and say, you need this amount of recovery. Yep. Like, Hey, let's go on a family walk after dinner yep. or, you know, after a long weekend of games, let's do this. However many minute recovery all together mm-hmm. and like, let's stretch, let's do mm-hmm. like a little family bike ride, like just find ways to add recovery. And like you said at the very beginning, it's meant to be fun. Mm-hmm. And I think through this conversation, I hope that maybe you share this with your athlete, this conversation, so they know the importance of it. Yeah. Because the whole point of recovery, and tell me if you disagree, mm-hmm. is so that you can be able to perform better yeah. the next time you go perform. Yeah. I mean, what's not fun is not being able to walk and like holding your yeah. butt every time you want to sit down. Right. You're like, oh. like yeah. that's not fun. But being able to, you know, have a nice meal and be excited about your game, like that's way more fun. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has totally. to be fun. It, it, it's not weighing you down, guys. It's not gals. It is, you know, it, it is something that, you know, can be, it should be like kind of part of like the discipline and the routine. Because again, mm-hmm. like sport doesn't automatically equal health. But can you make sports more healthy? That's the title of right. your podcast today. 
(laughs) deal. (laughs) You just chose it for me. Amazing. Okay. So I do have a question though, because, you know, whenever somebody says no days off, sometimes it makes me like mad a little bit because, you know, if you've played a full week of games and then you're supposed to go do something physical the next day, like, do you prefer that person to do an active recovery or like, how do you know when you should do active recovery versus like literally rest and sleep yeah. and just not do anything? I mean, like, I think you need to knock out that, that equate like my bank equation, like the deposits and like, you know, take in the credits, right? Like, you know, if you played 85 minutes the whole week, wait, I just made that up, <laughs> you know, like it's not a whole lot of effort. Like if you really can't get off the couch for 20 minutes, like, I don't know, that makes me cringe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd say like stick to that equation, you know, find something that, that you enjoy. Don't force yourself, find a way to make it fun. Listening to a podcast while you're on your walk, like make it fun. Like I'm only going to listen to this podcast when I do my recovery stuff. I'm only going to listen to like built-in kind of reward system. You want to do something like that. But if you're going max every day for a couple hours, just know that the bank account's going to go negative. You know, at some point something's going to break. And I, and I just think like you can get away with a couple weeks of that. Let's say, but you can't do it for six months ain't happening mm-hmm. yeah which is like the opposite of what we see on tv right let's go back to tennis they get a week off a year they play for hours at a time so you know it's like when we talk about tennis players like at the high level their recovery has to be so spot on because they just literally don't have the time and if they don't like they you know they will get injured like they're you know that's just a part of the game if you don't respect this that recovery is absolutely needed, then, you know, you're going to run out of gas. You're going to run out of money in the bank account there. If you have a choice and it's like, okay, I can get my seven full hours of sleep or, you know, this 10 minutes of recovery, I guess choose sleep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's also like just 10 minutes. Like if you do a breathing practice for six minutes, that's as long as that's like the, that's like a minimal effective dose of, of breath work is six minutes. I mean, that also helps you sleep. Like, <laughs> is that right. okay? You know? <laughs> yeah, um, it all kind of works. Yeah, it together. all kind of works together. But um, the, the hashtag no days off, hashtag just do it also make me cringe. Because I think the most well-rounded athletes are going to learn that there's so much more to thriving in the game than the wins and losses and the batting average and stuff like that. They know. Yeah. A burnt out 16 year old, like what's like, that's pretty miserable. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing too much. So it's like, it's also like help preventing burnout and help preventing a really negative attitude towards the sport. Cause some people burn out and they're like, never again. They like don't recover. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that happens yeah. a lot to our young ladies. <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah. So preventing burnout, I'd say, is a really, really good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. The last question I want to ask you before we dive into some Five to Thrive uh-huh. here, uh, you and I talked about this off the cuff, but um, I had read studies. My background is in a lot of anatomy and sports performance as well. And I read a study about how ACL tears, you, you talked about, 
hormones mm-hmm. a little bit and how it can dictate, you know, injury. Mm-hmm. But it, it said something along the lines of, and I think it was on like a soccer study that a, a very large majority of ACL tears come during an athlete's period. Mm. And I know most people are like, wait, we're talking about this, but I think it's a very important topic because mm-hmm. your body's in a, a weaker state than it is. Yeah, when you're not it on literally it. So, is. Yeah, it is. Can you briefly kind of talk about that um, and how yeah, we should be aware do, of this? It has to do with um, progesterone. <laughs> and basically when we have an influx of that, our body is tired and it needs more resources. So I think the big takeaway from studies like that should be that we should teach our young ladies that we live on a four-week cycle or, sorry, mm-hmm. a monthly cycle and that we have 13 periods a year and that we need to, like, learn those cycles and that we can support our body, you know. It, and so it has to do it'll, – it'll play out in our social behaviors – Um, meaning, you know, that, you know, how we react to people, how we react to, you know, certain situations, like we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like the, the message from society is that we need to be consistent all the time, like men. And I think that is dangerous because it teaches us also to not learn about these cycles in our body. So one of the cycles, um, of menstruation and right before that, you know, our body is a little bit weaker and we need more sleep and we're going to retain water. There's a lot of like physiological reasons for this that have to do with, you know, the cycle. But I mean, all in all, like our muscles respond to these hormones and so does our blood flow and so does our like mental bandwidth. So, mm-hmm. you know, understanding the different cycles can maybe teach you that, okay, you can take a little bit of magnesium before you sleep to get that deeper sleep, which I would say just do all the time. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, like, fo- like it, it'll give you a little bit more focus on that recovery or saying like being able to like talk to your coach about certain things. Like, Hey, I'm just not like, I'm not able to do this today. Can I just, you know, can I sit aside for the next like 30 minutes and like collect myself? I mean, if a coach says no to that. That's so hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And like just, but it's also like, I found like one of the most effective things I did in my strength and conditioning, like injury prevention program was created an open line of communication. Mm. Like the fact that the parents and the kids had someone to talk to about their injuries was huge. Okay. Yep. Because guess what? Coaches aren't qualified to deal with injuries. And some coaches certainly aren't qualified to deal with periods. We all know. <laughs> and, like, and um, but, you know, it might be a good idea for them to learn about the cycles, too. That's why we're here. Yeah. This is why I asked you the question. <laughs> I think the more you know about it, the better... Yeah. The better your athlete's going to be. And that's the whole point of coaching, I hope, is so that you can help your athlete yeah. become the best version of them. And not understanding that aspect is you're you're putting you're setting them up for failure. Yeah. So I think it's important to know this stuff yeah. for sure. And I mean at the at, and at the most the intervention honestly would be certain just different types of food at different times of the month. You know, it's like so cool that our body will respond to protein at one protein more than and will utilize carbs in another cycle. So it's like mm. 
that's kind of cool too. And I know like nutrition is like a, just a hard topic. It's so hard. But I also know that there are families that are focused on that and they would want that type of information and input. And, you know, it's like a nice way to introduce a really important piece of edu- like self-health education that is totally ignored. I, uh, yeah. So I, I'd be an advocate for that. If any parents, there is a book out there and it's got a very, oh man, there's a couple books out there. I'm going to give you two, but I'm going to share a couple books about female anatomy yeah. that are for, yeah. like when I read this, I was like, oh my God, every 17 year old needs to read this. Like, <laughs> yeah, going send them more, over to yeah. me and I will throw I will throw them in the show notes. This is going to be the episode with the most show notes. Ah, I um, love it. Just for, for yes. a good way. Yeah. Like just so people can have access to some of this information. Yeah. Um, yeah we, but I'm so grateful that you've been on. This has been so enlightening. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to do it again. I love female athletes. I love helping. And I love, yeah. I, I love that yeah. I have so much experience to be able to help people. And there's not enough yeah. me. That's why we do what we do. <laughs> For sure. I can definitely sense it in you for sure. How can people follow you? Like that are just so intrigued and entrapped by you. Um, um, yeah. Where do you hang out the most? Instagram is my spot. Mm. Uh, Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. And that's where I just, I share so much of my, my personal, like an entrepreneurial journey. Like we haven't even talked about like all the entrepreneurial things that I love and, you know, being able to be a female boss and, you know, and, and have leadership in that is so, such a awesome part of my life. And I'm so grateful for it. So I'm doing, and, and there's a lot of workout videos there too, but it's not for like instruction. It's just like, I enjoy working out. So I share a lot of it. So mm-hmm. I, um, I have that. And then the podcast is at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. We have three shows on all aspects of intelligent exercise. And, you know, we cover everything from, uh, a episode coming up with a professional women's soccer player to today we we have an episode about life coaching um but it all goes into like these silos of self-care and making it fun and making it enjoyable so think fit be fit podcast is probably the best spot if you're in the virginia area i have a business called impactyourfitness.net and then my resume my cv is at jennifersimoneschwartz.com Perfect. All right. And all of those will be added in the show notes as well <laughs> for anybody who, who wants to get a hold of you. But this has been so enlightening. Are you ready for some rapid fire? Yeah. Some five to thrive? Okay, great. I love asking this question to every single guest that I have on the okay. show. But who was a huge role model for you growing up? Oh, a huge role model for me growing up. Yeah. I mean, I was into... Uh, some skiing. So there was a woman called Peekaboo Schwartz. We have the same last name. So I was really into <laughs> her. The U.S. Women's National Team, I'd say between those two, it would be, yeah. it, would be it. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good answers. Um, what is your favorite form of recovery? Like your favorite form? Like when you know you need it most? Oh, isometrics. Mm. Yeah. We didn't even dive into a whole lot of isometrics. We'll have you have we'll have you on yeah, for another episode of just isometric yeah. training. Okay, yeah. deal. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. What is one functional movement that you think everybody should be doing? Oh, um, oh, diaphragm breathing. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. We're gonna have in the show notes a way to work on it. Yep. Amazing. Perfect. 
Question number four, what is one advice that you would like to give younger Jen? If you could go back. Oh, I would say like, let people help you more. Mm. Mm. Toxic independency. Yeah. Recovering from that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a little bit of that yeah. too, for sure. Well, before I ask the final question, thank you again. This has been so fun. Definitely topics that we've never discussed on the podcast. So oh, I, I first timer. Can't wait to have you on to talk about more, especially the isometrics. Okay. I think um, this is a good first step into a lot of the work that you do. Yeah. And I hope people that are either going through injury or like trying to avoid, even though you said it's not possible, you're everybody will. But like the perspective of like taking it and being like, it's just part of the process. Mm. Like injury is not a life sentence. Mm -hmm. It's a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love how you elaborated so much on that. Mm. So thank you. Mm. This has been so fun. Final question is if anybody could take one thing from this conversation and it can't be breathing because you just said that one, (laughs) what, what do you think people should go back and maybe listen to re-listen to, um, or relearn? Yeah. I mean, I think like the pain not being, uh, totally indicative of like a tissue injury is a big one. So the, the take the like phrase that people in my world use pain and tissue injury are not the same. So back to that pain stuff, because it's also like, don't, it's also like, don't ignore pain as well. Like it is a teacher. It is like part of the process. So numbing pain might is, is also a bad idea, like in many forms, (laughs) So I think that pain conversation. Definitely. Yeah. And when you say numbing pain, are you referring to like icing or using like NSAIDs are probably my, one of my pet peeves. Okay. Like I'd say, okay. like they, they just don't like, it's not a good idea. If like your kid gets banged up like a, you know, at like in a sliding incident, right. The answer is not, you know, Advil let that tissue heal and do and anything you do provide it should be to help the healing process not stop mm, it. that's oh yeah. yeah dang that's like a whole hour conversation itself i know oh man i get really steamed up on yeah that one. i um, think i think that's and, what and, and that's the same thing like you were saying earlier how the parents have influence on their kids normally how, I mean, I'm even going to say it. My dad, if he's having back pain, he takes Mm -hmm. a pill like right away. Mm -hmm. And through Mm -hmm. a back surgery, he's finally realized that like, no, he needs to develop his core. Like that is one of the main Mm -hmm. reasons why he's having this pain. So he's learned Mm -hmm. that much later, but like it used to be just take an Advil, take an Advil. And now I can't remember the last time Mm -hmm. I took an Advil because I've learned what you've, what you're preaching. It's like your Mm -hmm. body and your joints, they need to know how to recover themselves and you limit mm-hmm. that by taking this, like these mm-hmm. pills. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole automatic thinking, you know, because if you go to the, and yeah, and if you go to the orthopedic with like something more persistent, then you know, I sprained my ankle. They'll give you prescription anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. and man, it's just like not that helpful, right? Uh, unless like you're making a living off of, let's say let's say you're um, using your hands for work. Like there's, there's a, a really good justification for, you know, the need to keep going. But if we have a full roster and you've got girls sitting on the bench that are ready to go and you have this like open and honest 
communication about what's really happening and that there's always going to be an opportunity if you like stay with this like team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to lose an opportunity based on, you know, this one exact moment. Like you're cre- you get you just by being where you are, you've already created opportunity and you're going to continue to do that. You know what I mean? There's like a patience factor here. So, and that's also like the parents, you know, it's like, oh no, we have to get to the showcase. Da, da, da. I'm like, there's like literally showcases all the time. Like, and we have videos, you know, yeah, like play the long game. <laughs> yeah. We have to start playing the yeah, long game. Yeah, play the long game. That's it. Yeah. 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 Maybe we yeah. should. Well, mm. you already decided the episode yeah. title, but no, that was, no, no. Play the long game. Good too. It, but that's what it is. And that's the work that you do. It's yeah. like, how can an athlete play yeah. the long game? And recovery yeah. is all of that. This entire conversation is all of that. But so grateful. Thank yeah. you so much. The rapid fire oh, wasn't so too fun. bad. I know. I told you ahead of time. I was like, you yeah. might be nervous for these. Just answer. <laughs> just go with your gut. They were. Well, I was most stumped with the first one. I was like, "Wait, who?" <laughs> oh, I know that one's kind of threw a little curveball, but super grateful yeah. to have you on. I'm excited to do it again, and yeah. um, I hope people really take advantage of the resources that you're that you're giving from the books to the breath breathwork stuff. This has been so much fun. Oh, absolutely agree. Thank you so much. Did you learn a lot from this conversation? I most certainly did. Even though I studied a lot of these topics in college, I feel like it's always so interesting to learn more from somebody who's a true expert in the field. Now, we all know that recovery can include yoga, meditation, more sleep, hydration, bike rides, taking a walk. These are all interesting and such crucial things to help you become your best on the field. So for those of you who can't take an off day, like in your mind, you're like, I have to work out every day. Well, these are some active recovery techniques that'll help you with your flexibility, help you with your mindset. Let's just talk about that for meditation, especially even going on walks. Like these are perfect ways to kind of just spend time on yourself and get to know yourself. So if you enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer, which I did and I will be listening to more than once, Make sure to check out the show notes so you can follow her and her work and also get to know some of the other interesting topics that she knows a ton about, especially with the human body. If you liked it, go ahead and go give us a five-star review. I know, I feel like I'm begging every time I do this, but truly this information will not be able to reach as many people as I want it to unless people go and share and like the podcast on their platform or even leaving a review is the biggest way to do so. So I know I hate asking for that, but it's the way that we can grow this podcast. And if you love this podcast as much as me, you'll want to help it grow and thrive and get this information, especially this information out to those who need it so that their recovery can be better or they can actually prevent injuries from happening for themselves. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. Don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, keep smiling, and keep working your butt off for those big goals of yours. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.